Alright guys, we're back. Episode number 58 of the Drew Strong Podcast. Today is part 2 of the Q&A on the Instagram comments. So I'm going to go over what I got here. Six questions from the comments down on the Instagram post. I'll go over that in a quick second, but I have to shout out the sponsor, VivoBarefoot.com. VivoBarefoot.com, those are the shoes that I've been rocking for quite some time. They're a minimalistic shoe to help with full foot functionality. If you're looking to increase the strength and the intrinsic muscles of your feet, also making sure that you are working through your foot optimally, check them out. Make sure you go ahead and use my discount code DRUSTRONG at your final purchase. You'll get 10% off on that. Now, let's get into the podcast. guys also before i go on with the questions new daru strong shirts the ironside apparel line is launching in a few weeks but you can get your hands on a shirt right now if you email maureen at darustrong.com that's my assistant she'll hook you up for, with one right away just make sure that you tell her that you found this out on the podcast and we'll hook you up all right so make sure you do that okay so now First question is from Mitchell underscore Harto eight. He asked me what was my or what is my favorite training split. Now I'm gonna go over the three basic splits. You have your standard bro split where you'll be doing a body part each day, where you're gonna be hitting a body part each week. So if you're looking from a bodybuilding perspective hypertrophy perspective that would be your monday chest day that would be your tuesday leg day or your back day shoulders on one day on wednesday or thursday and then arms will finish it off and then you would just follow that along throughout the weeks now i'm not opposed of that i know that i've done it in the past especially being a young kid trying to get into weight training it has helped uh, when you're looking at it from a frequency standpoint it's not a lot of frequency because you're only hitting the muscle or the muscle group one time per week so if i were to look at it from a performance perspective i would do something like an upper lower full body or upper lower upper lower split or you could just do a full body three day a week split now that's going to enhance you know your abilities to have frequency have high volume and have the variability and intensity put in so that's going to give you the performance that you need you'll hit the muscles that you need uh, consistently throughout the weeks two to maybe even three times per week which will obviously help you progress further and faster so if i were to go with my favorite training split it would have to be the full body and that would be more so from a hybrid perspective so you're going to be doing some type of squat some type of hinge press a pull carry rotation right some type of core movement and um and that's going to take care of your entire body from there now you have to make sure that you're putting in the right sets reps intensities volume all of that goes into play um, if you want to find out more details on that stuff, if you want to use a program that has the full body split in there, pretty much all of my training programs have that. So you can check out DeRustron.com to go ahead and look at those programs itself. All right. Second question is from Mike 
Beluco. He asked, which watch are you using in the hotel hallway training warm-up video? So the watch that I'm using right now is a Garmin Forerunner 745. And I also use the Garmin Connect app to help with understanding where all of my training goes into and what I'm doing and how I'm progressing. Um, I like this a lot. Again, when you're looking at the Garmin Connect, it shows you, you know, from a training stress, your heart rate, obviously, it also is going to give you intensities per minute or each week. It's going to give you your steps that you've been doing, your calories that you're burning. It also goes through SpO2, um, you know, a bunch of different things here. So really good to stay connected with my coach, Natasha, and then also I use it for when I'm training. So if I'm ever doing my long runs or I'm doing my bikes or my swims, I can. it has it all in there. So I go ahead, throw that on there, make sure it measures it out from a time perspective, from you know a, a, a distance, from a heart rate, so I can check the heart rate at times. Now I'm gonna pair that with the chest strap just to make it more accurate. But again, it has everything that I need here. Also, it connects to my music, so I can go ahead and listen to music on here and everything else. So it's really good. I highly recommend it. They don't sponsor the podcast just yet, but hopefully they will soon. But yeah, Garment Forerunner 745. Next question. Pantillus underscore Exago. Will you have to lose weight in order to compete in triathlon? If yes, how will you handle it? I definitely have to lose, and I have lost a significant amount of weight. I would say I've lost 12 pounds so far. Um, the reason why is because the less weight I have on me, the less I have to drag through the water, ride on a bike, and run. So less pounding on my joints at a higher, higher weight. The one thing that I do not want to do is lose a lot of muscle mass. So the protein intake is going to be fairly high. The carbohydrates are going to be dependent upon the training and how long I'll be doing it. And again, you're definitely going to need a large amount of carbohydrates because you're going to need those glycogen stores to be filled up for the highly, highly long endurance runs, bikes, and swims that I'm going to be working with and I'm actually doing so far. But I am still keeping it moderate on the days where I'm actually not training too much. And that's primarily at the moment, never, because I am training twice a day, at least six times a week. And then on the seventh day, I'll do some type of recovery run. Now, I'll keep the carbohydrates a little bit lower on that day, but I'm not going to take it completely out because I still want to make sure that I'm maintaining that caloric intake or that balance there. And then once I go to train, I'm obviously going to be depleted because I am training a lot. And when I do train, it's it's expelling a lot of calories at one time. You're talking two-hour bike rides, you know, at least six-mile runs, and then the swim itself too as well. So i got to make sure that I'm, I'm doing that appropriately. I'm not losing a lot of muscle, and I'm just burning some body fat for fuel. So for me right now, I've been doing a somewhat very basic or lower-level uh, intermittent fasting, if you would say. Not fasting for 20 hours or 18 hours anything like that but in the morning i'll primarily skip breakfast because i have to leave the house very quickly travel down to the gym or travel down to miami and that's about a two hour drive so with that time i'll go ahead and sip on some coffee drink some water and then once i get to the gym i can sit down and enjoy a meal and then get my body fueled up for the training and for work ahead if i'm doing a podcast or i'm doing some type of coaching with the athletes or I'm training myself, I'm ready to go. So 
I'll, that'll usually be around 12 to 1 o'clock where I actually have my first meal um, for the most days. Now, two to three days out the week, I'll probably eat around 9 to 10 a.m. And that's when I'll go ahead and train for the first first time of the day. Right now, if I'm having an early morning where I have to get a training session early about 5 a.m., well, I'll probably train that fasted because I don't want to hurry up and eat food and then try to jump on the bike or go for a run. So that'll be fasted. And primarily those days will be more of an aerobic day. And I'm actually using that day to be fasted to help with metabolic increases. So that's the that's the prime uh, focus with it. As far as losing the weight, I'm looking to get around 187, uh, 188, somewhere around there. And based on the DEXA scan that we've ran a couple of weeks back, that'll put me at a good body fat percentage to not totally deplete my body, but give me in a good range to where you know, I'm, I'm able to run efficiently. I'm able to bike with high power output without, you know, sacrificing any power there because we don't want that either. But I'm light enough to propel myself through the water, you know, on the bike ride and through the run. All right, next question. Chandaran Araj, what are the benefits of bodyweight training and why would you recommend it for fighters? So the standard benefits for body weight training is obviously going to be increasing strength and that's going to be relative or body weight strength um body awareness it's going to improve your mobility and stability your range of motion your overall uh flexibility to in some positions it's also good for corrective exercises and also general physical preparedness especially if a young athlete or an athlete that's never been in the weight room we want to teach them the proper ways to move without load before we load the body so a proper squat a proper lunge a push-up a pull-up you'd be amazed how many fighters that i had in the past actually don't know how to do a proper push-up or squat without any load on their body so we have to make sure that we fine-tune the details it's just like if you were training in your skills training I'm not gonna have a guy go spar if he doesn't know how to throw a jab properly. So you wanna make sure that you're increasing the value of body awareness and control, and then from there, you can start to load that body. So that's where those key components come into play. If you wanna really start to hone in on the details, um, and you really wanna work it systematically, and also, you know, a lot of guys don't have uh, a weight room, a, a, a gym to go to, especially a lot of fighters that don't have a lot of money in the beginning. They have to do body weight work. So with that, you know, pull-ups, chin-ups, push-ups, you know, um, you know, animal flow movements, you know, things like that, squat, air jumps, and, and things of that nature, like those are going to be really beneficial no matter what you do because you're moving your body and you're still moving load. It's just your own body weight, and you have to produce force with that. So if you want to actually learn more about this, I do have an eight-week body weight-only program called Body Armor. You can check it out. Uh, we'll put it on the link in the description somewhere and then also you can go to my website drewstrong.com It's an eight-week program that has what we call maximal intensity and dyynamic efforts So you're gonna be doing some type of plyometric and ballistic style training and you're also gonna be doing some type of high-intensity AMRAP sets um, to again increase Functionality of movement increase your body awareness mobility stability, but also your strength endurance or your muscle endurance And then your explosive power too as well. So check it out Okay, next question. Coach slash or underscore Kanani, I believe that is. What are the benefits of doing deadlift isometric pull followed by some explosive jumps? Okay, so 
when you're looking at and what you're trying to ask me is you know contrast training this is what we call contrast training or you some people call it post activation potentiation um, that's a phenomenon where you recruit maximal motor units with the same movement pattern and then you use that particular movement pattern and do an explosive movement with that to allow for more power to be established the main thing that you're going to increase is motor unit recruitment with that neural firing you're also going to increase rate coding and that's basically the rate of which that neural firing occurs okay that form of contrast training helps develop explosiveness it helps develop increases in strength uh, power max velocity or, or peak velocity peak force and also you'll be working through the entire force velocity curve so again if i'm doing an isometric contraction i'm putting maximal force into a particular position which is going to get me stronger throughout the entire range 15 degrees up or down now i take that same position and i go unloaded and i do an explosive movement with that that's going to allow me to be explosive and have more power output in that position all right now what i mean what i do it with a deadlift whether it be a trap bar or a regular barbell i'm pulling into triple extension so when you're talking about triple extension from a fighting perspective, you know, that's going to be your blast doubles. That's going to be your takedowns. And if you're looking at it from a kinetic linkage perspective, I'm still, I still need some type of extension in my hips to produce power with my shots or my strikes. So all of that comes into play. We're using this getting closer to the fight because it is more sport specific and it's more speed of that sport. So it also shows to increase long-term improvements in peak force, peak velocity, and with that being said, that's going to carry over from a dynamic correspondence to the fight game itself. So we don't have to get too specific. We don't have to get too simulated, quote unquote. Um, but we want to enhance triple extension. We want to enhance the, uh, the strength and the overall power production of the posterior chain. So that's definitely going to help you when you're talking about from a fighting perspective. But just as an athletic standpoint, it's definitely beneficial. All right. If you want to find out more details on this, um, stack.com definitely has a, um, a, an article on contrast training. I think it's called Contrast Training for Strength, Power, and Athletic Performance. And uh, if you go to stack.com, you can uh, check that one out. All right, next question. Okay, underscore God Cypher Divine underscore. Nice name. I like that. Do you think someone could become a good SNC coach without a college degree? This is a good question um, and a standard question that I get a lot of times. Now, depending on what your overall goal is from a profession standpoint, right you you're going to need some sort of college degree an upper level or grad degree if you want to work in the university or professional setting now if you're going to work in a private sector you don't necessarily need to have a college degree but i do recommend it for a baseline of understanding when it comes to biomechanics physics physiology and just overall anatomy we want to understand the body and how it works appropriately. Then from there, you can take on certifications and continuing education that is going to give you more of a practicality approach. You also need to have experience and so on and so forth. But your question was, can you become a good SNC coach without a college degree? Now that depends. You can still become a good coach without having a basic formal education. 
you can learn these basic biomechanics, physiology, anatomy through reading on your own, self-education. So you don't necessarily need to spend money or have a college degree to do that. It just takes a little bit of effort, actually a lot of bit of effort. So make sure that you put your time and energy into learning the basics first. Then from there, you can gain the experience of communication, of reframing, of understanding how to auto-regulate. Those things you have to get inside the weight room and you have to do it from experience, from yourself and coaching other individuals. So to answer your question in the short way, yes, you can become a good coach without a college degree, right? But again, you have to make sure that you understand where your goals are gonna be aligned and just know if you have to get a college degree, it's for the benefit of your overall career, whether it be in a college setting or professional setting, whether you work in the NFL, MLB, whatever. But if you're trying to open up your own gym, if you're trying to do personal training with your own studio, you don't necessarily have to have a college degree, but I do highly recommend you understand the basics first, okay? I'm gonna get one more bonus question here before we go. Let's see what we got. Now, I haven't looked at this one, but here we go. It says, go high, go higher, San DC. You posted a kettlebell flow video. How do you incorporate that into an overall program? It just seems that the weight is so low that flow work just wouldn't provide a good stimulus to fatigue ratio compared to doing other exercises in that time. What factors make you include overall uh, over other work? Okay. Not that the, he also reiterated, not that the weight is the issue, the exercise in general compared to other exercises that could be used. Now, don't get this misunderstood, right? I'm not, this isn't taking the place of the general movements, the squat, the hinge, the push, the pull, all of those general movement patterns that are going to get you stronger. What the flow work will do will increase your core stability, will increase your mobility, will increase your coordination, and also to give you the ability to retract and relax efficiently, right? When you're looking at it from an athletic standpoint, the best athletes can relax and contract and relax in rapid fashion. The faster you can do that, the better you're gonna be. So with that being said, if you're looking at it from a sprinter, when you're looking at it from a jumper, when you look at it from an MMA fighter or a boxer, we gotta be relaxed and then we gotta be able to contract rapidly. You do that with kettlebell movements because it gives you the best understanding of how to do that with load, okay? So it's not taking the place, and again, you still need to work on your prime movers. But with this being said, I would throw this in on an off day of weight training to help you increase all those other demands and work in these particular movements to help you with strategy of movement. That way you can understand your body and space your overall proprioception or kinesthetic awareness, and then also you can work on that relaxed contract mechanism. All right, so hope that answers your question there. Guys, it's been fun, part two. Let me know if you want me to do any more Q&A style podcasts. We're gonna get back to the uh, interviewing sequencing, I guess, or the interviewing episodes next week. But uh, again, if you want me to do any more Q&As, let me know. And uh, thanks again for watching and listening. I'll see you again next time. Peace.